authors juggle a lot of ideas at once. Stay with us to meet Alan Gratz. The following program is a production of the Fairfax Network, Fairfax County Public Schools. Godfrey. It's a pleasure to introduce you to a rock star of children's literature, Alan Gratz. His books are about heroes, but these heroes don't wear capes. They're just ordinary kids who do the right thing under extraordinary situations. It happens in Grenade, Project 1065, and the book Refugee, a story told in three voices from three different periods. Alan, welcome to the show. Hey, Emily. Thanks for having me. So, Alan, is it true that you're just like a pizza-eating, <laughs> kind of hanging out, kind of cool dude? Well, I, I'll let you say cool, but I do eat a lot of pizza, and I do play a lot of video games, and kids are always surprised to hear that I do things that they do. As a matter of fact, I eat pizza every night for dinner. Well, that's important, yes. right? It's, it's one very, of the food once groups. Once you're an adult, you can do this. And so uh, I have had, I figured out the math, more than 35,000 pizzas in my entire life. That's amazing. And is that what led you to become such an amazing writer? I think that the pizza is really the reason. <laughs> so that's advice for anybody who wants to be a writer out there. Eat a lot of pizza. I like it. Well, students across the country have a lot of questions for you, and we're going to get to some of those later in the show. Cool. And we're also going to open up our phone lines for some live questions. But in the meantime, I was wondering if I could show you some historical photographs, and you could share with us what characters from Refugee they best fit with. Oh, sure. That'd be great. All right. So our first photograph is coming up now. Oh, yeah. So this is a picture of Syria, and this is during the Civil War, so this is a present-day photograph. This would be Mahmoud's story. So Mahmoud is a, a Syrian boy. He lives in Aleppo, but he lives in a very modern, very bright, shining city, and then bombs start to fall, yeah. and he and his family are driven from their home. Well, and here is picture number two. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So this is people on a raft, uh, probably trying to get to the United States from someplace like Cuba. This would be Isabel's story. Isabel is a girl who leaves Cuba in the 1990s on board a raft with her family trying to get to the United States and freedom and safety here. And we have one more picture for picture number three. Oh yeah, so this is the MS St. Louis. It was a real ship that left Nazi Germany in 1939 with more than 900 Jewish refugees on board bound for Cuba trying to get away from the Nazis. So Alan, are facts of escapes more exciting than the fictional stories? Oh, I think so. So, like, to me, I, I find the stories in the real stuff that happened. I read about real time and a real place where something happened, and then I try to find a way to put a fictional character, a made-up character, into that. So none of my three characters, none of, the, of Joseph or, or Isabel or Mahmoud, none of them are a real person. But every single thing that happened to them happened to a real person on one of those journeys. So I read about all the different facts, all the different real time and places and the people who were there, and then I take those and I combine them into these fictional characters so I can show you what it was like for many different people on those journeys. Well, let's go to our first email question. Oh, great. It's from Miss Pizer's reading group at Mars Area Elementary School. The students have read Refugee. The question is, what motivated you to pick these specific characters in these time periods? Right. 
This is a great question. Um, so the reason I chose these three characters, these three times in these three places. So for the MS St. Louis, I wanted to write something else about World War II, and I had read about this ship. It was a real ship. Yeah. So I did a lot of reading about the MS St. Louis, and I was only going to write a book about the MS St. Louis and the people on board that ship. And then something happened that changed the course of my book and really my entire life. My family and I, we went down on a vacation to Florida. Uh -huh. And we got up one morning and we said, hey, let's go for a walk on the beach. And that is where we found a raft that someone had used to come to the United oh, States. Oh, really? Yes. And nobody was on board the raft when we found it. It was already abandoned. I don't know what happened to the people sure. who were on board it. I hope they made it here safely. I don't know. I also don't know where they came from. My best guess has always been that they came from Cuba. That's the closest of the Caribbean countries to southern Florida. Um, but that's still 90 miles away on a raft. And I wouldn't have wanted to go fishing on this thing. It was, it was homemade and, and, and it had inside wet clothes and empty bottles of water and half eaten bags of candy, anything they could take with them to help them survive. And I saw this and I was like, why am I writing a book about refugees 75 years ago when we've got refugees right here, 100 yards away from where I was sleeping last night? So while all those were bouncing around, all those ideas were bouncing around in my head, and at the same time I was seeing images on the news of the Syrian okay, right. civil war and the Syrian refugee crisis. And I thought, now I want to write a book about that. And I was trying to think, which of these books do I write first? They're yeah. all really important stories. So then I was like, wait, why do I have to write three different books? What if I wrote one book and I put all three stories in it? And that's what I've done is be able to show you the parallels between those stories. But that's why those three stories specifically. Well, and we have another email question right now. This one is from China. And it says, if you could change any one thing about one of the periods in history mm -hmm. in your book, Refugee, what would it be? And how would that affect your characters and their stories? Oh, wow, that's quite a question. Um, there's so much about these people's stories that I would like to change. I would like to help them. I would like to make sure that, that violence doesn't come to their countries, that they're not driven from their homes, um, that they're not being persecuted because of their politics or their religion or their race. Um, I mean, if I had to pick one, I would say I would love for the Holocaust not to have happened. I mean, that was, that was a sig significant event in human history. Um, six million Jewish people died mm -hmm. in Europe during that time. And that's, that's not to diminish any of these other situations where many more people are dying, many other people are dying. But I guess if I had to pick one, I would say, I wish we could erase the Holocaust. But to be honest, all three of these situations are ones that I wish we could fix. Well, it sounds like the history, the research that you do really influences where your story goes. Oh, yes. Um, could you speak a little bit more about how you develop your characters? Oh, sure. Do you have like, um, do you do like sketch them out first? Do you have post-it notes everywhere? <laughs> how do you do that? Yeah, so characters are hard for me. Um, the thing that's easiest for me is plot. Uh, I'm, I'm really good at plot. Like I can sit down, I could make up a story right now with you and we could have yeah. a great story. But characters are super hard. Um, I have friends who are really great at it and they sit down and they just make up great characters right off the bat. For me, I have to do a lot of work. I set up a different page for each of my characters and I talk about what, I, I write down stuff about them, what they look like, who their parents were, who, who their brothers and sisters are, how old they are. But beyond those things, beyond the physical stuff, I'm also trying to think about who they are inside. Mm -hmm. Like um, what are their fears? What are their hopes and dreams? Um, and then I try to think about who they were before the story began so that we know, so that I know who they are when the story begins. They're gonna grow and change over the course of my book, 
but I also want to make sure that there was something that happened to them to begin with that made them who they are. For example, in Refugee, uh, Mahmoud, he is a boy who has been bullied and he is, he's learned to be invisible. Not right. literally, he doesn't have any superpowers, but he pulls his hoodie up over his head, he keeps his head down, and being invisible helped him survive in school, and then and when it, the war comes, yeah. it helps him survive in the war. And what he's gonna learn, of course, in the book, is that if he wants help, if he, if, if he wants his family to find safety and freedom, he might have to become visible again. And so I try to figure out all that stuff about a character before we meet them on the page, so that as they grow and change in the book, they become a new person. Do you include all of the details that you would write out in a sketch of who your character is going to be? Do you include all of those things in a book? Or do some of them you just kind of let No, some slide? of them don't make it in. And so I'll know a lot more about a character that, that you don't see on the page. But for me, that helps that character become real mm -hmm. so that when I'm writing about them, they have, they have a life off the page as well as one on the page. Right. Mm -hmm. Did you know that children make up more than half of the refugee population? That means 25.4 million kids under the age of 18. That's a, a, that's a fact according to the United Nations. Author Alan Gratz has introduced the word refugee, immigrant, and emigre to his stories. But what do they really mean? We'll find out in a moment with a little help from our key readers. On our return, we'll open the phone lines, but for now, it's time for Word Bank. Merriam-Webster Dictionary says that refugee is a noun. Refugee in Spanish is refugiado. Refugee means someone who has been forced to leave a country because of war or for religious reasons. Emigre is a noun. In French, you would say emigrant. The definition of an emigre is a person who is forced to leave a country for political reasons. When you think of the word immigrant, what comes to your mind? Immigrant is a noun such as a person who comes to a, a country to take up permanent residence. Or it can be a plant or animal that becomes established in an area where it was previously unknown. A few well-known immigrants to the United States include famous scientist Albert Einstein, beloved Google inventor Sergey Brin, and entertainer and singer Rihanna. There are also a few plants and animals that are immigrants, such as the beloved potato, which comes from our loved fries, because you know how us Americans love fries, and a lot of other plants that are now in backyards of most Americans, which shows that immigrants can be humans or plants, and they all come from different areas and can all be loved the same way. So our key readers know their dictionary. Yeah, that was great. Um, Alan, are there any words that you have to look up when you write your books, like new words, maybe from different languages that you include? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm often writing about other languages and, and other communities that are not mine. And uh, I, I only speak English. And so when I'm writing about another culture that has a different language, I want to bring that language into the book so that it feels authentic to those characters. So there are a lot of times when I have to learn new words that are new to me when I begin writing them. So um, I have, uh, luckily I have a lot of readers from different communities who can help me out. Like I have adults I can go to and say, oh, can you help me with my Spanish? Can you help me with my German? That sort of thing. That's a collaborative yeah, effort. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we have a call. This call is from Lucia. Lucia, what is your question for Alan Gratz? Why are all of your books red, black, and white? 
Why are your oh. books all red, black, and white? I love this question. It's a great question. So I, I hear this a lot. When, like, like, why are they all black and white and they have red on them? So my very first book that looked like that was Prisoner B3087. And that one was all about the Holocaust and about a real guy named Jack Gruner um, who survives 10 different Nazi concentration camps. And I wrote that book and they gave it that cover and it was an amazing cover. And it came out and I started working on my next book. And while that book was out, like people started reading it. And I got more fan mail about that one book than all of the other books I'd ever written combined. <laughs> and so then, then um, so my publisher wanted to make sure that if you liked Prisoner, that you knew that my next book was also by me. So they made the cover of that one look like Prisoner. And then they made the next one look like that and the next one look like that. So now when you go in the library or into a bookstore yeah. and you see all those black and white and red books, you know, oh, if I liked one of those books by that guy, I bet mm -hmm. I'll like the rest of them. And I hope you do. It's almost like a brand. Yes, it's exa it's that's exactly brand what it is. these colors. Yeah, and all the books that I wrote to, at the beginning of my career, they had different kinds of covers on them. But these, because they've all been sort of of a kind of kids in danger doing heroic stuff, they kind of fit together. So we have another question. This is an email question. It's from Anthony from Old Creek Elementary right. School. And he had a lot of questions, so we narrowed it down to this one. Tell us about your research process for refugee, please. Sure, I like the please at the end. I That's did very too. polite. Um, so I had to do a lot of research for this book because it's, like I said, about three different communities, three different cultures, three different kids from different places that I have never been to. And so I had to, so, and the research was different for each one. For, ref, for, for the first story in refugee, for Joseph's story, I could go to books. Mm -hmm. That story happened in 1939, and there have been many books written about it. It's a lot of so documentation. I, yes, so I could check out a bunch of books from the library, and I could do a lot of research there. For the second story, for Isabel's story, that happened in the 1990s. That is older than a lot of the kids who are reading it, <laughs> but it's still in our lifetimes. Right. So there have been some books written about that, but there's more magazine articles and newspaper articles and interviews personal done with people. Personal narratives, Personal yeah. narratives, right? So I would go back and find those personal narratives of people to tell me what happened. And then for Mahmoud's story, so that one is happening right now. Mm -hmm. And so for that, there are no books. And so I was having to rely on, on the reporting that people are doing. There's been amazing reporting done by journalists in America and in the United Kingdom and in the Middle East, all people following these refugees on their journeys and documenting them. And so that, I, I definitely got some primary sources from that, from interviews with people who had been on those journeys. Wow. So the research process was a little different for each one and very involved for me. For the, for the last story for Mahmoud's, I was, there was a website I found where you could slide a tracker back and forth and see where the different factions in the country were at different times. And I was able to pull it back to the very day that they were forced to leave their homes oh, wow. to see what Syria would have been like on that very day. It's been so, amazing. So we have another call. Oh, yes. This one is from Cameron. Cameron, what is your question for Alan Gratz? Are any of your characters inspired by people you know or have inspired you? If so, who and which character? I love the question, thank you. Yeah. So, uh, Prisoner B3087 was definitely inspired by a real person. That's based on the true story of a guy named Jack Gruner, who as a kid survived 10 Nazi concentration camps during World War II. That's the only person that I've written about whose story is there on the page, whose real story is there on the page. For all the other books that I've written that are historical, what I do is, I, I look up stories of many different people from those time periods, and then I combine those stories to tell a story. So many of the things that happen in refugee 
almost all of them are based on things that happen to real people, but different people, not mm -hmm. a single person. So we have another email question. Oh, great. This one is from Rockingham, Virginia. If you were to switch lives with one of your characters in the beginning of a oh. story, which one of them would you switch lives with and why? Oh my. So this is a tough question. If we're talking about refugee, uh, that's, a, that's a difficult question to answer because they all have such difficult lives. Um, I might swap out with Mahmoud. Um, I, I like him and his family a lot, and I would like to be there to help them uh, find different people who've left their family and, and, and different, yeah. I don't want to spoil too much, but I'd like to be there to help them solve some of the problems that they have. Um, but uh, I, I would say of the three characters in Refugee, I would swap out with Mahmoud and be a part of his family. Well, and without giving anything yes. away, can you talk a little bit about the tough ending that you, oh, yes. you have for Joseph? Right. So there are some difficult things that happen in Refugee. Yeah. There, on, on, in each of the stories, somebody loses somebody along yeah. the way, at the beginning, middle, or end. And the reason I did this is because when I was reading about refugees, one of the things that I learned was that many, many refugees end up where they, when they finally end up somewhere safe, they have had to leave somebody behind. Not everybody, but many refugees end up separated from other people in their family, from brothers and sisters, from daughters, from mothers, from fathers. It, it's painful, but it's real. And sometimes it's because they're not allowed to cross a border with the rest of them. They don't have the right paperwork or they're sick and have to remain behind or something like that. And I wanted to show that. And so there are some really hard things in this book, but I always do it for a reason. If somebody dies, it's because many people died during that time. If somebody is lost, it's because many people didn't make it during that time in the, on that journey. So let's return to our key readers. Yes. They have read most of your books and they would like to share what they've learned from them. Let's take a look. During Grenade, I did genuinely want to stop reading the book because I, I was wondering what, you were, what was going through your head. In Refugee, I like Mahmoud's dad because uh, he is very similar to my dad uh, because of all those really cheesy dad jokes and stuff. Because I was like, this is a terrible book. But then I went to the very end and I realized what you really, what the message you were trying to send. And I understood that, which really inspired me to look at a whole new perspective. Even though that my uh, family aren't refugees, they are immigrants, which I kind of think that that has a connection with refugee because they all are, you know, going to uh, another country or place to, you know, have a better life and better opportunities. So I think that kind of relates to uh, my immigrated family. The book Project 1065 touched me because the relationship between Michael and Fritz was sad. At some points you would think that they're best friends, but then again, they are enemies that had opposite beliefs. It made you think, how far did their devotion to Hitler go? And how could they sleep at night knowing they were turning in parents, families, friends for the cause that it seemed they so strongly believed in? Based on Mahmoud's, Isabel, and Joseph's perspectives, I think that you uh, wrote it really, really well. And I think that a lot of kids would actually really enjoy Refugee. Mr. Gratz, what I enjoyed about your book, Code of Honor, was the faith that the siblings had in each other, that they shared even in dark times. And for me, it was very inspirational. And I feel like parents and siblings should have that same connection as 
Cameron and Darius had. So I think those key readers made some very amazing connections yeah. to your stories. And we have some more callers oh, great. who have some connections to your stories they'd like to share as well. So caller, go ahead. What is your question for Alan Gratz? What is your purpose of writing your books? Oh, yeah. Well, what purpose do I have in writing my books? So my biggest purpose is to entertain you. I want to write a book that you can't put down. That's my number one job is to write a book that you want to keep reading, that, that you want to get back to every day. That's my number one thing. Number two, if I'm writing about a different time or a different place, I want to, I want to, I want to show you a part of the world that maybe you're less familiar with and put you in the shoes of a person to, who, who's not like you, who has a different experience than you. So my number one job though, write a great book that you can't put down. But then beyond that, I'd love to show you a different part of the world and a different person's life that maybe is very different from yours. As a librarian and a teacher, we really appreciate that from authors because we often say that books are like windows into another experience, another world, and they give us such a great place to start teaching things, yeah. to build curiosity and engage our students. So that's wonderful. Yeah, thanks. I, I like to think of uh, books as windows and doors, like, like a sliding glass door is a yeah. great analogy. So you can see through it and you see what that world is like and then you can open that door and walk out into it. You can, you can become a part of that world yeah. if you choose to. And we have another caller. Caller, could you tell us your name and where you're calling from? My name is Rana. Hi, Rana. What is... I'm calling from Mercer Middle School. Hi. What's your question for Alan Gratz? How did you feel while writing the book? Oh, how did I feel while writing Refugee? Oh, I, I, I had a lot of emotions writing this book. So I was often sad because sad things happen to them, but I was also hopeful because there were a lot of people who showed kindness to these folks and who were helping them get to where they're going and welcoming them into their homes. And so I went through a lot of emotions, happiness, sadness, um, anger, frustration, but also I, I hope that the same emotions that you felt when reading it that at the end, you feel hopeful that, that if we work together, we can, we can make this a better world for everybody. So let's go to another email question. This one is from um, Julie Simmons' class, Lake Highland Prep School. What is the central theme or main passage that you would hope readers take from your book, Refugee? Uh, I love this question. This is a great question. So I would say that if I had to pick one, so there's a few different messages and themes in Refugee. But if there's one, it's this idea that, that Mahmoud has, it's this thing that he says or thinks while he is on the ferry um, after he and his family are leaving uh, the Isle of Lesbos to get to Athens. And he thinks to himself, you know, being invisible helped me survive, but maybe what I need to do is be visible so that the world can see us and they can help us. And that's what I'm trying to do with refugee. I'm trying to help people see these refugees as real people who just need help. They are not trying to come to a new country to take jobs or to, or to invade their country or to, to, you know, to, to, to be a drain on their, on their resources. They didn't want to leave home to begin with. They're people who need help. And, and those of us who can help, I, I hope that we see them and that we do help them. So our key readers are never done. <laughs> Here are a few questions from our wordsmiths. Let's go to those questions now before we run out of time. In Project 1065, what was your perspective on Michael and Fritz's relationship? And the books that you have written, which character do you like the most and why? 
Have you ever just thought about stopping a whole book together because of how hard it was to find all the, well, you know, history research for it? What inspired you to write a novel based off of Code of Honor? Do you have any ancestors from World War II or specifically Germany? I love middle schoolers. I wanted to know, why do you write specifically for middle schoolers? So let's start with Dr. Holub's question. Yeah, Why sure. do you write for middle schoolers? So I used to be an eighth grade English teacher. That was my job before I became a full-time writer. I love this age, I love middle school. I love reading books that are written for middle schoolers because they get right to the action and right to the story and those are my favorite kinds of stories to read. So I love to read them, I love to write them, I love the kids. It's a, it's a, it was a no-brainer for me. <laughs> so um, do you have any ancestors from Germany? I do, so my family is from Germany. My very first ancestor to come to the United States came here in the 1860s, um, so well before World War II, and, mm -hmm. um, but he didn't speak any English, he didn't have any money in his pocket, he didn't have any friends or family here, he just came here like so many other immigrants looking for a better life and a better opportunity. And um, he settled down in a little town called Knoxville, Tennessee, and that's why I was born there more than 100 years later. So, um, but my family goes all the way back there, but no connections there. And then I had, of course, family who served in World War II. Mm -hmm. My grandfather on my mother's side was in the Navy in the Pacific during World War II. So we have another caller. This one is Lily. Lily, where are you calling from? Pleasant Valley. Pleasant Valley. And Lily, what is your question for Alan Gratz? What first inspired you to start writing? Oh, what inspired me to start writing? Yeah. Oh my gosh, okay. So when I was five years old, a movie came out that really inspired me to be a writer, to, to, to come up with stories. You've probably never heard of it because this movie came out a long time ago. It came out in 1977, it's very old. It's called Star Wars. Have you heard of this movie? No, could you tell me more? Yeah, it's about these guys with lightsabers and blast. Okay, I know, I know, I know. You guys have heard of Star Wars. Even if you haven't seen it, you've at least heard of it. So I'm joking about that, but I'm not joking about Star Wars being a really big inspiration to me. I was five years old. I saw it in the movie theater over and over and over again. And I would go out in the backyard and I would pretend to be Han Solo or Luke Skywalker and I would have adventures. But I wasn't reliving the movies. I was making up my own stories with those characters. I was really creating what we now call fan, fan fiction. fiction yeah. right? There wasn't a word for it back then when I was a kid. And I, but I, I got my start imagining stories about Star Wars and then very quickly became a writer who told my own stories about my own characters and my own world. So like Star Wars, your books are often action-packed. And as an author, you have taken action by contributing a portion of your book sales to the United Nations Refugee Agency. Yes. Why is this action so important to you? So to me, it was important. If I was gonna tell the story of refugees, I wanted to make sure that I was giving back to refugees. It was doing something, well, I hope that the book raises awareness and that, that it makes people help out the refugees in their communities and donate money to UNICEF and to relief organizations, but I didn't want to just say, you guys should go do that and not do it myself. So I committed right from the start to donating a percentage of all the profits of what I make off of refugee back to refugee aid organizations. And I've done, I've done events with UNICEF where I've gone into schools and I've talked to kids and, and I've talked to people to help them raise money. I, I think that if we want to make the world a better place, it starts with us personally. We have to go and do something. And so besides just writing a book about it, I wanted to actually go and do something about it. So Alan, quickly, this is our last question. Okay. What advice do you have for students and teachers? Oh my gosh, keep reading. 
Reading is amazing, and you will you will learn so much about the world, and and you'll get smarter from reading anyway. <laughs> uh, and it's fun. Um, and if you like to write, keep writing. What we need is we need more people to tell their stories. You have a story, and I want to hear it. And so I want you to go and start writing your story. I'm writing the story of people right now who are living lives where they're too, their, their lives are too chaotic to write their story right now. The story of refugees uh, in particular. But, but you, if you have time and, and you have the, the space, write your own story, write the story of your family, tell that story, that's what we need. Well, thank you so much. It's been wonderful to speak with you today. Thank you so much, I've had a great time. Awesome. For more information about Alan Gratz, visit his website. For more information about educational resources and programming, contact us at the Fairfax Network, Fairfax County Public Schools. I'm Emily Godfrey. Keep reading, keep writing, and keep dreaming.